The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And we're going to start right out this morning. Uh, Lauren's away on business, so it's just me today and my guest who is here with us, Kelly G. Wilson, Ph.D., uh, he's an author. He is a professor of psychology at the University of Mississippi and the founder of One Life Education and Training. Uh, he lives in Oxford, Mississippi, and if you want to get him online, you can go to onelifellc.com. But we're here to talk about Kelly's new book, which is the title of which is Things Might Go Terribly Horribly Wrong, A Guide to Life Liberated from Anxiety. This is the topic of the day, as I said to Kelly before we got on the air. Um, things might go terribly, horribly wrong. Begins with a world anxiety. What causes it? What we think about it? What it might look like? And then his book looks at some of the approaches to treating anxiety and poses an intriguing question: What if you don't need to get rid of anxiety in order to live a terrific life? Well, he's here to answer the question. Welcome to the show, Kelly. How are you this morning? I'm just fine, Catherine. Good. All right. Anxiety. I don't know anybody who doesn't suffer from anxiety, myself included. As a matter of fact, I had insomnia last night. Uh, but I always think, well, I've got to get rid of it. I can't stand feeling this way. I feel anxious. Uh, I don't want to feel anxious whether I wake up in the middle of the night or whether it's I'm brooding or ruminating or obsessing about something I have to do at work. But you say anxiety isn't necessarily a bad thing. Is it ever a positive thing? Well, I mean, I think that there are very uh, good sort of evolutionary reasons why anxiety sort of shows up as the enemy. Um, You know, when we were out on the savanna and uh, anxiety showed up, it usually showed up alongside a lion, tiger, or bear. And, uh, you know, working to eliminate uh, anxiety uh, was the same as working to eliminate the lions, tigers, and bears. Uh, that was a very good thing. Um, but many of the things that we are anxious about in our sort of modern world are uh, not lions, tigers, and bears, and the uh, kinds of strategies that kept us safe on the savanna uh, don't uh, you know, seem to have a, a dark side um, when they're applied to a lot of the difficulties we face. In- but can we uh, take, for instance, okay, we've got the lions and the tigers and bears, and we're anxious on the, you know, that's, thousands of years ago, but aren't there things that replace those lions, tigers, and bears today that we are going to be anxious about that may serve to, that we should be anxious about so that we do something about it? Well, sure. There, I mean, uh, there certainly are, and there are some things that are sort of imminent uh, physical uh, threats to us, but most of the things that, you know, like, for example, my guess is uh, when you were lying in bed last night, uh, not able to sleep, that there weren't any lions, tigers, or bears in the room. Um, and, 
And that's, uh, you're right, there weren't. You're, yeah, and so why was I up for two, three hours ruminating? Yes, I mean, the kinds of um, uh, things that, you know, we're often working to protect ourselves from, like, for example, uh, you know, uh, I've got a, a book deadline, actually a couple of book deadlines coming up, and I'm worried about, like, whether I'm going to get those done uh, in time or not. And, you know, so, you know, we worry about uh, things like this, but um, uh, let me uh, ask you um, whether your worry and rumination last night um, moved you even a fraction of an inch closer uh, to the, you know... To accomplishing what... Or to Exactly. <laughs> accomplishing what I thought I needed to accomplish and what, in terms of what I was worried about? Yes. Zero, yeah. minus one, probably less. Because right, well, enough, and in fact, probably less because... Yeah, I didn't get enough sleep. Because uh, you, you know, didn't get I'm sleep. tired. <laughs> uh, I'm exhausted. And, and, and uh, you know, if your worries are anything like everybody else's worries... My guess is that you were covering ground that you have covered before. Yes. <laughs> so you were sort of grinding over material, and these ideas and thoughts that you were having weren't brand new ideas and thoughts. None <laughs> of them were. They were all in the same categories. You've got it. You know, my kids <laughs> right. and work yeah. and. Uh, yes, there's this kind of repetitiveness. Yeah, in there. addition and, to my and, house, I can go on and you, sure. I don't. I'm not going to even. You know the story. Sure, sure, and and. You know, the thing uh, uh, to notice uh, in here, in, in, uh, in the midst of all of this, um, uh, is, is that sort of a repetition, that kind of grinding, uh, uh, just, you can just sort of feel it draining the life out of you. Um, what you see, though, inside of worry and its kind of backward-looking twin rumination, though, is a promise. There's a promise in there. And the promise is something like, if you worry enough, you'll be able to avoid problems in the future. Um, or if you grind over past uh, mistakes uh, long enough, you'll avoid repeating those mistakes. Um, so there's, there's sort of a promise built into rumination uh, and worry. And, you know, the kind of question that um, we're interested inside of um, acceptance and commitment therapy um, is, you know, while you're busy uh, worrying about the future and sort of grinding over the past, um, what else is going on in your life that um, you've that you are uh, perhaps losing contact with? So, uh, for example, this morning um, I was uh, writing a little piece on Facebook about. Um, vacations spent traveling in the motorhome with my family. And uh, I thought about oceans we've swum in together, my daughters and I, and about sunrises that I have seen, uh, you know, on high plateaus a mile and a half up in uh, Colorado, and, uh, uh, you know, the beaches of the Florida Keys, and picking up shells on the uh, shores of uh, Florida, it sounds idyllic. Exactly. Well, and, and, and so the question is, like right now, um, in, you know, in our own lives, when we're busy um, trying to sort of work out uh, the future and the past, what is going on in the present that is being uh, missed? So, you know, I could ask you if, I, if you'd tolerate it. <laughs> Another question, and that is, 
um, how sort of richly in contact did you uh, feel with the um, sweet sweetness in your own life when you were in the midst of um, sort of worry and rumination in the middle of the night? All right, well, I, that's a big question. Um, how in touch? Well, what I wanted to do was to be asleep. So yes, it, yes, yes. <laughs> it wasn't the same as let's say in your. It was or is it? You, you you're the expert, but you're you know you're driving. You're taking this wonderful trip with your family, and you're appreciating right. them and the in, right. and, and everything right. that you see. My situation though is the middle of what should I be appreciating in the middle of the night? <laughs> Rather, I should be asleep. I should be semi-conscious or. Um, right. I, well, the thing I was pointing to is. Um, is that when we're in the middle of worry and rumination, very often there are all kinds of things going on around us. There's the bounty that exists in our lives um, that is very often missed because when we're in the middle of worry and rumination and that kind of problem-solving uh, mode of mind, what we miss is sunsets, you know. And, and uh, you know, so for example, what was there um, what else was there in the middle of the night? My guess is, uh, you know, like, a, uh, like I have a, a, a lovely and comfortable bed that I'm uh, lying in. Um, I have my children uh, lying about me uh, in their uh, rooms. I'm settled in. My bed was uncomfortable, and I'm here by myself. <laughs> I'm not going to make it easy for no, you. No, <laughs> no, well, that, that, and, that's, and that's fine. Um, you know, the, the general issue that, you know, though, that we're interested in is, you know, does worry and rumination deliver the goods that it promises to deliver? That, know, and that's the question that you pose in the book. And, Kelly, right. we've got just a few more minutes. So let's kind of get listeners to – we want to get them to go out there and obviously to read your book. But um, what are we going to get from, you know, can we just – in a, in a few sentences, tell us what are we going to get from the book in relation to anxiety, where it fits into our life, and how we can use it in a positive way, I guess is what you're saying. Sure. Well, you know, I think, uh, what, you know, what I, would, what I would say is that um, we uh, spend a lot of time um, sort of uh, fighting um, to make anxiety and worry go away. Um, and the idea is if we can make them go away, um, then uh, we can be free to live our lives. Um, and a question um, that I used to ask when I uh, lived in uh, Nevada was, does the prison in Carson City have to go away for you to be free? And the answer is no. Uh, you just need to be able to go uh, where uh, you please. And so... You know, that same uh, question sort of lives inside of this work. If people look at their own lives and sort of say, all of the hours that I've spent in my life worrying and ruminating, have they um, brought me in contact with the things that I love and that are sweet to me? And that is the life? question, and we've got to say goodbye. I, um, I, I want to just reiterate, things might go terribly, horribly wrong, a guide to life liberated from anxiety. Uh, I've been talking to the author, Kelly Wilson, and he co-authored the book with uh, Troy Dufresne. And you can buy your book online, bookstores everywhere, and go to Kelly's website, onelifellc.com, for more information. And great talking to you today. 
A pleasure talking to you, Catherine. I'll have a better night's sleep tonight, hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> You're listening to Catherine Zox, and it's VoiceAmericaVariety.com World Talk Radio. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Uh, don't go away, because we'll be back. We have our next guest uh, coming up in this hour is Muffins and Mayhem, Recipes for a Happy Life by Susan Beecher. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Money, we love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program, Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. He'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The dream big revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the dream big revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Well, that, I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, voiceamericavariety.com, and we are on World Talk Radio. My next guest is author of Muffins and Mayhem, Recipes for a Happy, if Disorderly Life. Great title. And the author is Susan Beecher. She is 
been she's described actually on the cover of her book, Beloved Creator of DearReader.com. So you can go to DearReader.com or visit her website, MuffinsAndMayhem.com. She's done many things, owned a restaurant, published a business magazine, run a nonprofit to feed the homeless, and, that, and uh, writes a daily column at DearReader.com. So today we're going to be talking about her new book, Muffins and Mayhem. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Thank you for having me. This is great. Uh, a great cover on the book. It's very inviting. A cup of coffee, a muffin, a pair of glasses, and then a beautiful picture of you in the back with your cat. Thank and, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we went through about three different... Uh, it, it's interesting, you know, behind the scenes, having done it now, um, we went through three different samples to arrive at that cover, but uh, we're really happy. They did a great job. Yeah. So did you argue? Do you argue with your publisher, or do you finally come to, uh, it, like, everybody really agrees this is the best cover well, you know what was interesting? Um, because I've dealt with publishers for a lot of years with my online book clubs, I knew a lot of behind the scenes, but this was all new. And I'd heard a lot of authors say, well, you know, you squabble about this and this and this. But I have to say my journey's been relatively squabble-free. But what we did with the cover, um, when the first cover idea came in, my husband took it and placed it um, amongst a bunch of other covers, reduced down to how it would look on the Internet, and then we sent it back to the publisher, and it was really obvious that the cover didn't stand out enough. So we kind of used that as our base point with each pass, and um, it was instantaneous when they looked at it. They said, whoa, we need to make a change. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, it does. It stands out. I mean, oh, and, and you have my favorite flower there uh, uh, <laughs> in you the know, cup, and, you know, it's, no, it's, it is. It's a great cover, and it's very, it's inviting. It's happy. It's, Thank um, you. Yeah, it's real positive. But let's talk about the book, Muffins and Mayhem. People can say, well, what, you know, what's that about? Um, what, the, the ingredients for happiness, what is it? What is the book about? Um, and we'll start with that. And then your inspiration for writing this book. Well, the inspiration, probably I'll reverse those. But okay. The, um, the, the inspiration for the book came from a longtime reader, a mother of three young children, she'd been reading with me for a number of years at my online book club, she'd been reading my column. She sent me an email because she had cancer, it was terminal, and she'd recently read a column of mine, this was a couple of years ago, about how I keep a file of uh, inspirational things when I need to get myself grounded. I can go in there and I can read them. And she said, you know, this is what I think I would like to leave for my children because there are going to be a lot of times throughout their life when they would uh, like to talk to their mother, wish I was here, and maybe I can leave some words of wisdom behind for them. So could you help me with this, Suzanne? In my reply to her, I, I don't know why, but I started talking about the recipe cards that my Grandma Hale left behind for me, and they're in her handwriting. When I'm in the kitchen cooking and looking at Grandma Hale's card, it feels like she's right beside me. And I said, well, maybe, here's my idea. You should leave a recipe box for each one of your children. Include in your handwriting your favorite recipes, the ones people always rave about. And then also on those recipe cards, share a little bit of your life with your children. And I gave her some suggestions, um, some questions to get her started, like, you know, how did it feel when you went on your first date? Um, what, did, uh, what, did it, what happened one time when you told a, a white lie and how did you get out of it? Uh, how did you feel when they were born and when you found out uh, that you had cancer and what the outcome was going to be? Uh, just a whole list of questions to share with their kids. And when you suggested that she did, you know, each one, she had three kids, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, 
you know, sad story. I mean, this young mother with this, she's, you know, terminal cancer, what, as you say, the kids were, what, under the age of 10. Did you suggest that they each get a different box? I mean, should they all three be identical, or should they have three different boxes, different recipes, and different personal kinds of insights? Well, you know, I guess I, I, I didn't really think about that when I replied to her, but um, listening to you ask that question, I think as a mother, because I'm a mother myself, my kids are all raised, that probably my questions and the way I reply to them would be different for each child because they each have different personalities, you know, and respond to things differently. And um, she would probably, I would imagine, recognize things that she thinks each child would need to hear that would nurture them the best. So is this something that she eventually did? I mean, I, I'm, I'm cause she, she did, said she, she did yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she, since, she wrote yeah. back and said that she, she did create the recipe boxes. And actually, um, you know, in this whole exchange, and it wasn't even immediately when I responded to her in the email, but when she wrote back and said that, um, you know, thanked me and said that she was working on recipe boxes for her kids, it prompted me to go look through my own recipe box and I discovered that behind every recipe there was a story, and from there I started working on ideas for the book. That's And your own story, because I want to get back to that as well, because I think that's important in terms of who you are, where you came from, because you've had some like difficult times in your life, your history, your biography. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because you were raised in a very small town in, what, Wisconsin? Yes, it was uh, a a town of 2000, Cuba City, Wisconsin, a very small town. And actually, I didn't have a lot of fond memories about going back home. Even when I begin the book, I I talk about, you know, other people will talk about these warm and fuzzy childhood memories, and I didn't have any, or at least I couldn't remember any. And I thought, well, I don't want to go back to measly podunk Cuba City anyway, you know, (laughs) a small town and blah, blah, blah. And then um, shortly around the time that I got this email from a reader, I heard the news that Mrs. Creswick died. She was my girlfriend's uh, mother, and she, of course, lived in Cuba City. And I spent a lot of time at Mrs. Creswick's house. She liked to cook, and, and I loved going to Mrs. Creswick's house because she'd always serve me uh, cottage cheese and cherry tomatoes. And, you know, I don't know. I thought she had them there just for me. Maybe she always had them in the fridge. Who knows? <laughs> But but it made a big impression on me, and I used to love to watch her cook. And one afternoon I was watching her make her frosted meatloaf, and she helped me write out a recipe card. And so when I heard that Mrs. Creswick had died, I looked in my recipe box, and there was the recipe card, um, the frosted meatloaf. So I went and made a frosted meatloaf in her honor and called my old school friend and Mrs. Creswick's husband and shared the, um, the, the story and the memory that I had. What's the response from your, you know, this is like such an amazing book. I mean, in, in, I mean, the, I guess the, the theory or the theme behind it, because I've done a little bit of it, not exactly what you say, but I do. I have recipes from my grandmother, from my mother-in-law, from my mother, and you're right, you know, and it's in their handwriting. And it just conjures up a lot of memories for when I used to do cook with my mother or when I cooked with my grandmother. Um, and... Um, so I mean, it seems. To, so this is. I mean, this is such a great. Uh, to me, it's such a great idea. I mean, it has worked for me, uh, not in such a sophisticated way as you suggest in the book, but recipes do that. 
They do. I think, um, you know, food and, and sharing with people, um, it, 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 you know, it, it goes together, and usually there are pleasant stories behind it. But the, the thing I really like about the whole concept of the book, even if someone doesn't go, you know, somebody can go to my re- website, you can create your own cookbook of memories and make it real easy for you. But even if someone doesn't do that, when they're reading the book, I mean, my hope is that as people are reading my stories, that it's helping them remember some of their own. Because my job, because I write a daily column, and I normally I don't write about books, I just write about little things in life. I wrote a column the other day about, I was at a stop sign and a man crossed in front of me with a baby carriage, and I could see that he had a very young girl in there, and I watched him when he got to the corner, and you know, he uh, safely on the curb, and he bent over, and he was smiling, and I was imagining what he was saying to his daughter. And I, you know, I, I spun a column out of that, and it's like the, the little things in people's lives. I mean, I look for those things because it's part of my work. But most people don't get the opportunity to be prompted to help them remember these little moments in their life. And um, it's pleasant, and it helps us be, I think, better people to be able to go back and remember and share and figure out why, and it's um, it, it's a it's a journey that I'm glad people are able to to experience when they read. Yeah, and I think it helps to keep us. And this is maybe just adding to what you're saying: connected and grounded. I mean, most of us, and I include myself, myself, we spend so much time like ignoring these kind of like natural nurturing details of our lives. I guess the word nurturing comes up when I read your book, but. I was, I'm distracted, and I, you know I've got goals, and I'm, I, I don't see all of the, or don't even allow myself to feel some of these memories or these experiences. So this this kind of way of doing it through these recipes, um, it really it's a conduit for being able to do that. It, it's wonderful, and it's I mean if someone journals uh, now in place of journaling, they might kind of journal through their recipe box. Um, Someone listening that doesn't even journal, if, if you just take a walk, uh, get out your recipe box and start looking through it, even if you don't cook any of the recipes, um, I, I think you'll find that the time spent, uh, it'll encourage you to go back and, and do it again. You'll, you'll probably surprise yourself. I mean, when I, even when I wrote the memoir, um, I was surprised at some of the things that I remembered that I hadn't thought about, probably never would have thought about again. If, you know, I well, how about this, Suzanne? I, this is uh, uh, another side to it, but what, are there some recipes maybe that have such bad memories you should throw them away, like the Thanksgiving that was a disaster and you made this particular <laughs> vegetable or dessert or whatever it was? It's like get rid of it? Is, is, is that well, part of it as well? Well, I've, I've been blessed with, and, and I, I get this, I, I don't know, I get this trait from my mother, even though my mother and I did not have a, a, a very a warm and fuzzy relationship, but... I'm able to look at those recipes uh, that conjure up things that, oh, wow, you know, that was a bad time in my life. And I'm able to look a little bit farther inside of those and find something worth remembering about that. Even if today, like, I'm looking back and I'm saying, well, this was a horrible situation, this is a horrible thing that happened, but I'm able to get something good and positive for my life today from it. And I mean, I'm not trying to suggest, oh, you're taking lemons and turning them into lemonade and all that. Some things are just bad. They're bad memories in, in, in your life and, and terrible things happen. But my look on it is I'm always looking for what can I learn from that for today 
and or how can I even put it to rest? Okay, here's one last time I'm going to go down this um, memory lane with this, and then I'm going to finally let go of it and move on. I think I like that ending. That's that's better than just getting rid of it. It's like dealing with it. It's kind of a form of therapy or mini-therapy <laughs> in a way. Um, also, I think you can trace you know, the recipes that you used at different times in your life, really uh, a detail what you were do- if doing if you were on a diet or after you had your babies, you ate certain kinds of foods. I mean, you can really get the whole evolution of your life through your recipes. A- absolutely. I mean, my mother did not like to cook that much, but... Her cooking changed, you know, we'd go there for family meals, and her cooking changed when she was on a diet. And also when she was trying to solve a problem, you know, everybody used to fight over the drumsticks at Thanksgiving. So my mother is very, um, I don't want to say cheap, she was cheap, but very very (laughs) frugal. (laughs) And plus she wanted to solve the problem of everybody wanting a drumstick. So she she bought up turkey legs for the whole year, and and by the time we ate them, they were freezer burnt and really tough. But it's a... It's it's a wonderful. It was a you know bad tasting Thanksgiving, but a, a really funny and actually a pretty warm memory. <laughs> That's a great memory. We have to say goodbye, but a very innovative, clever book: Muffins and Mayhem: Recipes for a Happy and in parentheses, if disorderly life. And the, we've been talking to Suzanne Beecher. She's the author of the book, and you can go to her website, dearreader.com. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Thank you kindly. Coming up next, Dr. Matthew Edland, author of The Power of Rest, Why Sleep Alone is Not Enough. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. We'll be back in a minute. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. If your pets could talk, they'd tell you to tune in to Pet Shop Talk. Join internationally recognized animal massage therapist Lola Jean Michelin every week for a show that covers everything from nutrition, health care, and training for your pet or animal. Lola and her guest experts will bring you the latest trends in the pet care industry. And even if you're not a pet owner, you'll find out why pets do the crazy things they do. Tune in each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you are all listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. My guest is Dr. Matthew Edland, and he is author of The Power of Rest Why Sleep Alone is Not Enough. And it's good to have him on the show today because, as I mentioned earlier, I had insomnia last night. I was up for two hours, maybe close to three. So I do have somewhat of a sleep problem and maybe a rest problem as well. Um, Dr. Edland is an award-winning expert on rest, body clocks, and sleep. And uh, you can go to his website uh, there, therestdoctor.com, and that's therestdoctor.com. So he's here to talk about his book. Okay, we always talk about sleep, but... We don't necessarily talk about rest, do we, Doctor? No, and rest is uh, the invisible elephant in the room. It's this giant topic that people don't tend to talk about. And what people don't realize is that rest is what really rebuilds and renews your body, that it's a process that's going on throughout the 24-hour day but can also be actively impacted by us in a very positive way. So you're talking about active rest. And, you know, I, people think of rest, well, you know, you think of rest as sort of passive, rest and sleep, but, there's, but they're not the same thing. So when you, in your book, you're talking about active rest, what is it? You say there are different types of active rest. What are they? And that we need those to nourish our body, just like we need food. And if we don't get the proper kind of active rest, then we aren't going to be physically, mentally, uh, spiritually healthy. Well, we're not, we won't be as healthy as we could be. Uh, the difference between active rest and passive rest, sleep, sleep is a form of passive rest. Just sitting, uh, staring at a TV station can sort of be a form of passive rest. It's kind of like the difference between dining and feeding. I mean, there are meals that we've had that were peak experiences that we remember all our lives uh, that were absolutely wonderful. And then we have times where we just feed and, you know, stuff ourselves and don't necessarily feel very good about it. Yeah, there are four major kinds of active rest. There's physical rest, where you pay attention to your own body. There's mental rest, where you pay attention to a mental construct. There's social rest, where you talk to someone, converse with someone, engage with someone. And then there's spiritual rest, where you connect with something larger than oneself. And my argument is is that you use these different techniques rhythmically throughout the day, that you alternate activity with rest, but you recognize that even passive rest, sitting in a chair, your body is rebuilding itself and redoing itself quickly and much more completely than most people know. You know, my mother always, not, of course, not in such a, although she's a social worker, but not in the same sophisticated way that you've described it, has always said that, that rest is the most important thing. Forget about, not forget about, but, you know, medication and, uh, you know, when you're sick, but you really need to rest. And that, that's, that is, that's the, in terms of the healing process, and it's so true. But, you know, I'm thinking about it. When you're in a hospital, they wake you up every five minutes to take oh, your temperature, to take your blood pressure, and you're exhausted. Terrible. That's just terrible. And one of the things that's interesting is that people tend to view their bodies as machines. It's machines that sort of like decay and break down, and that's what aging is about. That's not really what aging is about. Aging is really a script 
where the rebuild and the redoing of the body changes, but doesn't actually necessarily slow down. Uh, one of the ways you can even look at illness is to say that when people get sick, what's really going on is the rebuilding process, the renewal process, is somehow delayed, corrupted, or even stopped. And that's when people feel sick and get ill. And what happens when people feel ill? They need to rest more because the rest rebuild, the rest renewal, is somehow getting blocked. And it takes more time and more energy to get around that bottleneck. So given the context of our, of our culture now, which mm-hmm. doesn't really seem to nurture this kind of activity for us because we're up and out and multitasking and trying to do a zillion different things at once and take care of our families and do everything. So how do we incorporate this active rest, the physical, the mental, the social, and the spiritual, into our everyday lives? How do we do that? Well, that's the why I wrote person. the first part of the book, which is basically a group of active rest techniques that can generally be done in 60 seconds or less because people tell me flat out they don't have the time. And fortunately, there's a lot of things that one can do very quickly to change the pace of life, to create a rhythm to the day. Uh, my favorite active rest technique is something called paradoxical relaxation. I'm a native New Yorker, so the idea of relaxing by not relaxing is really very attractive to me. And what you do in paradoxical relaxation is you just pay attention to one tiny muscle group, just a sense of where you have muscle tension somewhere in your body, and that's all you do. You don't relax. You don't try to tense it. You just try to pay complete attention to the level of muscle tension difference in a small muscle group. And what happens then is if you pay enough attention, the rest of the body will relax. And the guy who devised this, Edmund Jakobsen, was so good that when people would meet him, they would generally feel nervous. He was so relaxed. And I use this kind of technique, and I do it in 5, 10, 15 seconds, and I use it all throughout the day. People can... So when do, you say you use it, doctor, all throughout the day, I mean like 10, 20 times a day, or if you feel yourself getting... Uh, anxious, not anxious, but you feel he's tense, then you'll just use this technique no matter where you are? To get yourself in the zone, our level of alertness throughout the 24-hour day goes up and down. We tend to treat sleep as this sort of separate phase, and the American model of sleep is to lie down and die. Mm -hmm. All or nothing. We're either up and running or we're asleep and and unconscious. And and in reality, if people look at their day, they're going to find that their overall alertness varies quite a lot. So my active rest techniques are really there to pep people up when they're feeling slow and to de-stress people when they're feeling too stressed. And frankly, the population now is really getting stressed out. Yeah, well, there are a lot of things to be stressed out about. Some we cause ourselves, others are external, we have no control over. But right. I'm thinking, a personal example, with this, and I don't know if this is what you're talking about, when I had I three boys like two years apart, and I remember at one point they were all in car seats in the back of my Jeep. Oh, my. Screaming and crying and touching each other and hitting, and 
I could, in order to be able to deal with that on the way to the grocery store, I would, as you say, kind of, I would zone out. I knew they were safe, they were strapped in, there was nothing too much I could do, but I would focus on something else. Mm -hmm. And uh, it got me through the, you know, the hour or the two hours or whatever it was. And I remember my sister-in-law remarking, how do you do that? I said, well, I have to do that. I mean, I have to just zone out or I can't handle all of this. Is that yeah, what you were using about? a mental rest technique, and I, I think that rest is one of these things where there's universal folk knowledge. I think it's like food. Every culture has its own kinds of rest, and different individuals have different kinds of rest. And one of the things that I'm going to try and do through my website is create a rest community where people can write in with their own kinds of active rest techniques because I think people have a lot to contribute that way. But, That's a great idea because I think they do. And it's, it's interesting how people, there are very unique ways. Well, obviously you see that because you're going to have this on your website. But um, when, is that, when, when can we look for that? I'm very curious. Oh, you, ju- you can just write into the, the restdoctor.com. I've been writing blogs for Psychology Today. I'll be writing blogs for LifeScript and a bunch of um, sometimes Huffington Post. But, yeah, just, just write in with, with different ideas because – it, there hasn't been a way of looking at this stuff systematically. Uh, like I'm now at the sleep research meetings, and when I talk to people here about rest, I sometimes get this blank stare like, oh, you mean when the subject's not performing the experiment? <laughs> and what I'm really trying to get to people is the idea that rest is happening all the time, that their bodies are rebuilding and renewing very fast. The group at Einstein, for example, Einstein Medical School, is arguing that even if your cardiac cells last 50 years, unfortunately for people like me, they reproduce, or otherwise we wouldn't be around, even though they last 50 years, their innards are replaced in three days. Our process of rest and rebuilding is much, much faster than people know, but we don't see it. We see our hair grow. We see our nails grow. We don't see our brain grow, but that's what happens during rest. So if is, we can, it, can actively you rest, we can about, control that a very process. different doctor for, um, for different groups, let's say, and you kind of touched on this, like some, for postmenopausal women, senior citizens, people in middle age, children, babies. Does this process of, of active rest... Is it different for... Oh, absolutely. It, it differs with the ages, just like uh, everything else about us changes. But it changes in, in intricate ways, but the basics remain the same. We're always rebuilding. We're always renewing. But we can set through our activities different conditions for that renewal. People are always asking me, what can I do to prevent Alzheimer's disease? I live in southwest Florida. I mean, a large part of the population is older. And the answer is, at this stage, pretty simple. Take a walk across the street. That's going to do more for you than doing Sudoku or sitting in with puzzles because there's something about physical activity, and it's not just the movement. It probably involves sunlight. That literally changes the brain because after people are physically active during the day, they will grow new brain cells at night, and they will grow those new brain cells in the hippocampus, they'll grow it in new memory areas, almost as if they have to create more memory storage from the activities they had during the day. So we can do all kinds of active things, active rest techniques, quick and sometimes slow, slow being, for example, a really nice family meal that can really help our moods, help our immunity, 
help us last a heck of a lot longer. And the things that you've just described, a nice family meal, walking, and if you can only walk, maybe you can only walk around the house or maybe you can walk four miles, you know, depending on your physical condition or how old you are. Um, it's simple. Those are so, I mean, those are simple things. They're not, they, it doesn't cost anything uh, in terms of money. It doesn't uh, require any kind of equipment or any kind of stuff. I mean, there are no excuses, are there, for not doing it, except that you're not aware that this is what you're supposed to be doing. Right. It's just a matter of not being aware of what's out there. It's not being aware of what rest can actually do. And the techniques I have, as I say, they're generally done within 60 seconds, especially with practice. But they don't involve any special equipment. All they involve is you and your own body. Yeah, I love it. I think that's, I mean, when we come back, so we're just going to take a short break, but we can also, you know, we're talking the physical, the mental. I want to get into the importance also of social rest mm-hmm. and spiritual rest. Uh, my guest today is Dr. Matthew Edlund, author of The Power of Rest, Why Sleep Alone is Not Enough. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, VoiceAmericaVariety.com, and World Talk Radio. My guest this morning is Dr. Matthew Edlund. He's author of The Power of Rest, Why Sleep Alone is Not Enough. 
And I really, I guess, Doctor, we do have to emphasize why, if someone's just joining us, why sleep alone is not enough. We're talking about active rest and some of the things that uh, one does if they are participating in active rest. One of the things, and you, you, you mentioned uh, active rest is physical, mental, social, and spiritual. We haven't talked about social active rest. What is that? How does that help us? Social rest is basically social support, quick and easy ways of connecting with other people. And this is a very critical part in overall survival. Uh, the data from this go back to the Berkman Syme studies of the late 1970s. Basically, if you had more colleagues, more acquaintances, not necessarily even more friends, just more social connections, you had less heart attacks, you had less strokes, to some extent you had less cancer, and you certainly had a lot less depression. And the differences in survival were big. Then if you look at the longest-lived populations in the world, and they turn out to be Asian-American women living in metropolitan New York City, you're also going to find a group there with a great deal of social connection. And people talk that, oh, it's just related to the original culture that people found, people came from. That's not the case. The daughters born in the United States are living five years longer than the mothers born overseas. And in Bergen County, where there's a large population of Asian Americans, the average lifespan is 91.1 years. The same study didn't report it in their original papers, but the group out in Suffolk County on eastern Long Island has an average expected lifespan of 95.6 years. So we're talking about New York City area the Bur- and New Jersey, Bergen County. Right. Bergen could be 91. And I was thinking about that when I was reading your book because women are you know, social animals, men not so much. Women just in general, this is no research study, but just something I had thought about. Women live, what, on the average of five, six, seven, eight years longer than men in general? In and this they- country, yes. They talk a lot. They're much more, there's any, you know, women are more social, and it kind of fits, it sort of fits this theory, doesn't it? And even women weren't as, I don't know if this is true now, but uh, not as susceptible to those, you know, heart attacks and strokes at an early age that men are. And so does that sort of fit into that theory? Women are more socially connected, yes. There are a lot of other factors, but women are more socially connected, and social connection is a big factor in health. So I try to have all these short, active social rest techniques where people can just connect with people. For example, I ask folks to look at people that they really respect and really feel that they can let their hair down with and say to them, all right, at some point I may want to call you, and it may be in the middle of the day, middle of the night, but I'm going to want to be able to have a special connection to you. I want to be able to just talk to you at any time. And sometimes you'll ask people like that, and they'll say, oh, sure. You know, no problem. Others will say, I can't do that. And you want to find out why. Very often you find out those people are ill or have different problems of their own. But we are social animals. We deeply need social connection. And it's one of the most positive things in our lives. So if you set up businesses or corporations where people are sitting in cubicles all day, unable to connect with one another, what does that say for our our physical and mental health? We treat ourselves as machines. Big mistake. We're not machines. We're human beings. We have to live the way human beings are meant to live, socially, mentally, physically, spiritually. And I think you're going to find that a lot of corporations, when they start paying attention to that, they're going to see their performance and economic results improve. 
What about spiritual? Okay, let's let's touch on that a little. What's spiritual rest? I mean, spiritual rest is where you connect with something larger than oneself. In the book, The Power of Rest, I have a one-minute prayer, kind of one-minute non-denominational prayer. But there are many techniques, many of which involve nature, many of which involve quick forms of meditation that can be used to connect people to something larger, even to connect people with a sense of awe. And that's why I think that rest can be exciting, because when people do spiritual rest techniques, they can often connect with something so powerful that they really feel different, that they have a different kind of peak experience and a different connection with the world around them. But you don't, as I understand it, you do not have to be, you don't have to believe, do you have to, or do you? Do you have to believe in a higher power or in God no, or something? No, kind of a... you just have to recognize who and what we are and how deeply we connected how deeply connected we are with what is around us. One of the things I have in there, for example, is called appreciating suchness. And it's my version of a Zen meditation. And all it is is to realize all that is there. What is in you, what is in the room, what is in your building, what is in the city, what is in the county, just to have a sense of the vastness of everything around you, of every plant, of every animal, of all that's alive and all the things that are not alive the just general hugeness of what is around us and which we so often pay so little attention to. So you're saying, Doctor, in other words, people are going to be listening, they'll say, oh, do I have to wake up in the morning and think about I have to go through all these processes? I mean, I'm Not at all, quite the opposite. About that. No, it's, it's a it's, different way of being, it's a different way of being spontaneous. In, is that... I basically argue that you use active rest techniques very much like you would use recipes for food that there are going to be different kinds of rest techniques that fit you. Some people are going to love paradoxical relaxation, some won't. Some will love to do spiritual rest techniques. Others won't want to bother with them at all. What I want people to do is recognize that life is rhythmic. We have rhythms inside us that are 24 hours, 90 minutes, monthly, seasonal. You want to make your day musical. And one of the ways you can do that is by picking and choosing among the dozens of active rest techniques I have in the book and just slotting them in at different times of day so that you can pace your life, so that you can have a rhythm to your life. And don't you think, Doctor, also if you take a look at you know what you suggest in the book, some of the things some of us will be doing kind of on our... We, we, we help, we're, we're good at it for some reason just doing it on our... We've done it, or we do do it, but there will be areas that we don't do that we need to pay attention to. Do you know what I mean? Like just automatically we've been doing something. I think a lot of, as they say, I think there's been a kind of universal folk knowledge about rest for, for millennia. I think there's thousands of different rest techniques out there that people have. I'll mention something to someone and they'll say, oh, you know, I do this. Like a friend of mine says, his, one of his sleep rules is close the door on the cat. Make sure the cat get in, can't get into the room. Uh, there's thousands of different things that people know about. And you want to be able to have people just know that they can use and choose them any way they please. I love this book, and I think it's a real, it's a real must, I think, for, for my listeners. And so I want to tell everyone that you can buy this book at bookstores everywhere, obviously, and online. The title of the book is 
the power of rest, why sleep alone is not enough. It's a 30-day plan to reset your body. I didn't mention at the beginning a 30-day plan. And the author is Dr. Matthew Edland, MD. Um, and our, the website that, that uh, we can go to is therestdoctor.com. And uh, any other websites that we should know about besides RestDoctor.com? That, that should get it. You can go to say, my blog on psychology today. But therestdoctor.com has, oh, well over 100 articles I've written in the past and access to other books. So that's probably the best place. Terrific. Great having you on the show today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Matthew Edlin, MD, author of The Power of Rest, Why Sleep Alone is Not Enough. I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Uh, you've been listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Hope you had a great morning and we'll see you next week. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.